Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, everybody, welcome back to Equip You and Grace. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And with us today is our friend and our brother in Christ, Dr. Wellen. Dr. Wellen, welcome back to the show, brother. Great to be back. It's uh, been too long, but it's good to be with you today. Yes, it has been far too long. Can you, I think it was 2021 when we last talked. Uh, can you uh, catch us up on what's been going on since then in your life, marriage, ministry, and what are you working on ministry project-wise, brother? Yeah, so since 2021, right? So we all came through uh, the the effects of COVID and everything else. Things opened up. So uh, I was at that time just finishing up um, the the systematic theology that now has been been uh, released, and uh, then since then, getting you know finishing getting off sabbatical and then getting back to regular teaching and working with, um, you know, master students, uh, training for ministry, PhD students, and, uh, and then trying to, uh, work on and, and, uh, making progress on finishing another volume of the, <laughs> of the systematic theology. And, and in the midst of that, having some grandchildren being born and enjoying that as a grandfather. So having five kids and four of them married and now seeing them starting to have children. So lots of, lots of life ministry and, and uh, work that's been gone on since 2021. Well, that's great, brother. Well, I know you've been working hard on this, uh, this volume, Systematic Theology from Canon to Concept, Volume 1, for, for a number of years. Uh, can you tell us about this uh, wonderful book and uh, why you wrote it and how you hope it'll be received? Yeah, so, I mean, I, have, I had a contract with... Uh, with Lifeway, which would then the publisher be, be Robin and Holman, B&H Academic for you know a number of years now, right? So this has been in the works and uh, people have been saying, when are you going to get this out? But, um, you know, it came to the point where, uh, you know, I finally got to it and, and after working on a number of projects uh, previous to that, right? So living life, doing teaching, but also working on um, issues of the covenants and then Christology and the work of Christ, both person and work. But uh, this has been sort of a you know long endeavor. It's uh, it's taking the fruit of the, my teaching for now, you know, I'm on my 25th year here at Southern uh, Seminary and, and then previously teaching to that and putting it into print and then trying to uh, take those years and instruction and learning and and to turn it in such a way that people will think of the whole, you know, all of Scripture, think theologically, apply the Scripture properly to their lives. So my my hope and aim is that uh, this will be an encouragement to the church. We live in difficult times. the The level of biblical theological knowledge, for the generally speaking, in our churches is is weak. We see that by poll after poll that's done. Uh, you know, and then it's it's evidencing that we live in a changing culture. And so helping to have people think, you know, what what does the Bible say on these great doctrinal areas uh, to do so from a specific uh, perspective? Uh, so it's not going to be the same just as, uh, say, Presbyterian because it's Baptist. It's not going to be the same as dispensational because it's covenantal, you know, specific unique features and wanting to see the church really think uh, properly about scripture, think properly theologically and, and really take the gospel 
uh, to be prepared to take the gospel to their generation and the world. And we desperately need to see strong churches established and faithful ministries in every town that we live. Amen, brother. Well, you were just talking about theological, um, you know, literacy. How can the average Christian grow in their theological literacy? Well, the first thing is get into scripture, right? Uh, to to know the word of God, to be reading it. Uh, I think every Christian should be reading through the Bible at least once a year and, and, and you know, doing study, right? Uh, getting off of their, their uh, uh, you know, attraction to social media and, and making time to, to, to study the scripture. And of course, with that then comes, uh, you know, uh, reading other literature, right? You can't just simply, um, you know, think you're going to grow in the knowledge of, of scripture and theology without reading other books. Uh, and then of course, being in a local church setting, a faithful church that, you know, hopefully is, is expounding the scripture that there's, you know, there's whatever you call them, Sunday school, discipleship hours, uh, Bible study fellowship or whatever, but they're, they're reading good literature. They're studying the scripture. They're thinking theologically, reading good books that are helping them apply the truth of God's word to the particular issues that they're facing uh, today. And to think with the history of the church, how rightly to think about God and ourselves and what sin is and the cross and the work and personal work of Christ. I mean, so it, it comes through uh, study. It comes through being with the people of God. It comes through, you know, catechisms, teaching of children. It comes through uh, reading of scripture and, and all of those areas is how we increase our, our biblical theological knowledge. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's money, man. That's gold right there. And it's a, and it's a journey. It's, it's, it's something that takes time, you know. It's not something like you're gonna roll up to McDonald's or Burger King or Subway and boom, you got it. You know, you gotta you gotta work at it, like you're saying. You gotta be in the Bible. You gotta, you know, keep reading, keep studying, not just your Bible, but good books, and uh, get into the Word and uh, see. Be a Berean. Hey, is that is that author? Is that person? Is are they pointing me to the Word? Are they rightly handling the Bible or? you know, any number of things. And, and, and even I think, I think I would love to hear about this too, because I think there's a lot of guys that are and gals that are really, you know, they're theological, even they're theologically proficient and very, you know, smart. Um, and they might not even be seminary trained, but they have a really hard time, you know, taking what they know and applying it into their, you know, into their life. What, what would you say to that person? Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's becoming a growing challenge, isn't it? I mean, even, Lately, we've seen some very well-known Christian leaders who who have preached the Scripture, who have you know s seemingly have sound theology, but when it comes to uh, advice and counsel on how to handle the cultural issues, to how to you know we went through this with COVID, you know what should our church do in relation to government and and thinking of those issues, we've been very poor on a proper application of theology, so we can sort of get our ducks in a row or our, our eyes dotted and T's crossed when it comes to certain doctrinal areas, but then how we actually live it out and apply it, that has been a challenge. And we've seen that in recent days. So, so how do, how do we go about that? Right. I mean, well, there's where we need to be, um, you know, part of a body that is not only thinking properly biblically and theologically, 
but also then challenging to say, okay, how does this apply to what I'm facing with my families or the kids in the school or what's in the news? And, and so we're, you know, making sure the scripture is brought to bear and theology is brought to bear on the everyday world that we live in. It's not divorce, right? So we can't, we do have to to look at the news. We do have to look at what's happening around us. We can't isolate ourselves and we have to say, well, how do I raise children in the midst of this, this ongoing changing culture? Um, uh, you know, we live in different parts of the country, but I mean, we're facing this in school boards. We're facing this in terms of educational systems, uh, the role of governments and all that. So this is where we have to be very intentional of, first of all, knowing what Scripture says, thinking theologically, and then challenging ourselves and, and pastors and all lay people and people in the church. All right, how do we as Christians live in this world? How do we be salt and light? How do we then speak to our neighbors? And, and and as we do actually evangelize and we talk to real people, those questions inevitably are going to arise and we're going to have to think carefully about how we actually communicate the gospel uh, faithfully to uh, those around us. Really good. Really good. You know, um, how somebody might wonder, well, how do I even mature in my in my theological, not just in my liter literacy, but what does it mean to be? a mature Christian theologian? What does that look like? Yeah. What are some marks you think? Well, I think, I mean, a number of things, right? I mean, first of all, it's going to be, uh, you know, you're growing in, in understanding and knowledge, right? So there's a certain amount of content, right? So any growth in any area, if, if a person's going to grow in any profession, somebody's a, a medical doctor, right? You've got to know that field. There's a body of knowledge. If one's an engineer, one has to grow in that. So again, that goes back to the discussion we just mentioned before with, with, with books. You've got to start somewhere. You have to say, all right, uh, I need to have a program by which I think through basic biblical content, basic theological content, getting both introductory books on on doctrine, and then in terms of, you know, areas of application, apologetics, defense of the faith, um, and and dealing with current issues. So the, the you know, one's maturity comes with just a basic uh, knowledge that has to be put in place and that, that builds over time. And that has occurs by, you know, a disciplined reading schedule and, and, and that, and then of course, it's not just the knowledge. You could add a lot of head knowledge, but it's actually, you know, person matures by putting into practice uh, their confidence in God's word, the taking God's promises, uh, acting in faith and trust in what he is saying, uh, uh, stepping out in obedience uh, so that, you know, you're at work and somebody says, we want you to compromise and you have to say, no, I'm going to have to stand for what's right and true. So the maturity comes with growth of knowledge, the putting into practice, the living it out in our daily lives, you know, our marriages that we put the word of God into practice and how we function as husbands and wives and raise children and teach. So there's, there's the putting in, you know, the doing of uh, the obedience that comes. So it's not enough to say, well, I just believe these things. I actually have to be a hearer of the word and a doer of the word as well. And maturity comes um, when we are growing in that way and putting into practice what we believe. You know, there's a there's a real, I think, an, an, an aversion even in, in the church today towards just even the way that you just talked about you know there there is this overreaction to experience and i think what you're what you're touching on is there is a walked at walking out as we see in ephesians 5 1 you know james 1 and other philippians 4 9 
where we're to practice these things, as Philippians 4, 9 says, for example. And, and I understand why people have an aversion to it because of where they come from and what they've come out of, especially with the charismatic, the hyper charismatic movement. But there is still in the Christian life, there is still a walking it out and a, an experiential level, if you will, as we know, the reformers and the Puritans talked about that. So, well, maybe you could just highlight that for, you know, the average Christian. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously there's experiential, but you know, what's crucial um, as you know, right. Is the experience has to be grounded in truth, right? So we, we live, we live in a whole society, generation, culture that has, um, you know, says either that truth is not possible or truth is relative to the, the person or truth is my truth and this type of thing. And, and as Christians, we have to say, no, God has, God is there. God has made himself known so that my experience must be governed by the truth of God's word. So that requires us to know the scripture, to think theologically, and then in our experience and application, we're putting into practice the truth of what we have learned. And that's where the rubber meets the road, doesn't it? Right. Where we can say we believe one thing, but then when it has to actually be applied, the true test is, is do we apply it? Right. Do we then say, you know, in recent days, you know, I'm invited to, um, you know, uh, homosexual marriage, transgenders are getting married or something. Do I say, look, um, this is contrary to God's word. This is a denial of what marriage is. I can't go and endorse that. I can't even show there. I want to love you. I want to tell the truth to you, but I mean, I can't endorse your behavior. Well, there's where truth is being put into practice, right? And the same way with in a whole host of areas. And that's what, that's what maturity brings. But we then have to have churches that are encouraging that, right? And holding you know, and you know, you see all the way from pastors to leaders to lay people taking seriously their walk with the Lord and saying, "Let's now live out the Christian life in in this in the context that we live in." Yeah, that's really good, brother. Well, in your in this uh, systematic theology, you spend a lot of time talking about the doctrine of Scripture, and uh, we talk about that on the show. Of course, you know, I've written quite a bit on that. How does a good understanding of the doctrine of Scripture help the average Christian? Well, I mean, it almost sounds like a sort of a trite statement or a truism or something just to say well, everything goes back to the doctrine of Scripture. Now, I mean, of course, everything's grounded first and foremost in God himself, but we don't know God. I mean, obviously, he's, you know, he's created the world and we can see his glory and so on in, in creation, but we don't know God in terms of his promises, his being, his triune nature. I mean, we, we don't know his plan, his purposes, ultimately who we are apart from his revelation of himself, right? So everything in Christian theology goes back to the fact that God is there, the triune God is there, and he has spoken, right? He has spoken as because he's spoken, not only do we have a world, right? he spoke the world into existence, but we know him. And we know ourselves and we have truth that we can then say this is this is true because it's from God and it's consistent with his plan and purposes. So everything goes back to the doctrine of scripture, right? If we have a view of the Bible that is uh, fallible, we have a view of the Bible that is just human religious documents, a view of the Bible that it's uh, archaic and out of date and and it fits for ancient society, but not our own society, not only are we denying what Scripture actually is and what, what Scripture says for itself, but we have, no, we have no grounding. We have no basis for anything that we say of truth. Uh, 
So that what's, you know, scripture is so vital to ground us in the very possibility of truth and the knowledge of God and everything we say in theology. So apart from a proper view of God and his word, the doctrine of scripture, we have, we, we are weak like anyone else, right? We have nothing to say. We are uh, simply, um, you know, left where our generation is left in terms of a relative subjective, uh, you construct your own perception of reality, but that's not what, uh, what, what reality is. Reality is determined by God and we need his word. And so everything, everything we say about who God is, who we are, what Christ is, what the gospel is, uh, what I should, what I should hope, what the future holds, all of it goes back to God's revelation in scripture. Very well said. How, how does a good understanding of the doctrine of scripture then help us to respond to attacks on the Bible? Well, we have to, I mean, when people are attacking the Bible, right, we have to, uh, you know, defend it, but we have to first know what, what, whether the attack is even legitimate and what the Bible is actually saying. Right. So, so again, to, to, to defend the scripture and attacks on it, we have to know what it says. Right. And usually attacks on, on scripture are, are off, off basis because they don't, they're not even true to the Bible. They're making mistakes about the Bible. There, there needs to be clarification and, and so on. So we have to be grounded in the teaching of Scripture. We have to be able to know how to defend it. Whatever the attack is, we have to say, well, what is that kind of attack? Where is it coming from? Is that showing some kind of problem in Scripture? Or is that simply their worldview that says, I reject the Bible, and so I'm going to use my worldview to attack the Scripture? Well, that's fine and dandy. You can do that, but eventually you need to substantiate why you believe your worldview, right? I mean, just because it doesn't agree with what you think, uh, on what basis do you think? Well, on what basis do you say what you say and so on, right? So that's how we eventually have to handle, um, you know, attacks on the scripture. We have to first know it. We have to know what its content is. We have to know what it's saying. And as the Bible is giving us really the Christian view of the world and giving us revelation of God, it will stand on its own basis. It will stand on its own terms. It will answer the questions of life like nothing, no other book will, right? And that's how we then, uh, Francis Schaeffer used to say, you, you, you place the Bible you just let the Bible speak for itself in the marketplace of ideas. You just set it out there and it and let it, you know, the problem is that people don't even know what the Bible is teaching. And so we have to let the Bible speak on its own. It will defend itself. We stand against its attacks by, first of all, saying those are legitimate. I mean, a whole host of things that we do in, in defending scripture. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. And then how do you, when you, when you're talking to somebody, yeah, don't be afraid of their claim. Say, how do you substantiate that claim? Where's, what's, the, what's the claim? You made a claim. So if you make a statement, you're making a claim. Can you yeah. then defend the claim? And you, and you don't, the, it, people, people, when I ask that question, they're like, what? And, and they keep asking it until they substantiate it. And if they don't want to substantiate it, say, okay, so are you ready to repudiate that idea? And then right. are you able to have a, then you're able to actually have a conversation. But well, we have to, yeah. Yeah. No, we have to realize, right, that everybody has a viewpoint, right? And we call that a worldview. And everyone has some view of where they've come from, what the purpose of life is or not purpose, uh, what's right and wrong, where we're going. I mean, we and I try to discuss this um, in terms of looking at the Bible storyline 
and I try to do so uh, in a number of ways, almost two passes, you know, two ways of looking at it from the Bible's perspective, one being uh, creation, fall, redemption, new creation, and the other one looking at the unfolding of God's kingdom through his covenants. But the creation, fall, redemption, new creation is so helpful in reminding us that this is this is the Christian worldview, right? We go back to God and, and his creation of the world, what's wrong with the world, the fall, his what's what's the solution to the problem, redemption, and what's what can we hope for and what's the future hold. But everyone has to say something about where they came from creation. Everyone's got to say something about what's wrong with us. Uh, everyone has to say something about what's the solution to the problem. And ultimately, you know, what do we hope for and what's the meaning of life type of thing. And at, when we realize that we can then set the Christian view over against their views. And we do say to them, you have a viewpoint. You may not even realize what your viewpoint is, but you have all kinds of beliefs that you're throwing out there that you need to substantiate and give reasons for what you've said, the claims that they make. And at that point, we're able to compare and contrast a Christian view with their view. But most people that you talk to don't even sort of realize the views that they even hold to. That's exactly right. And that's why we talk about why you need to read and study and meditate and memorize the Bible. Yeah. And why we need to be in the local church so that we can you know what the Bible says and grow in our skill and handling of it, like right. you've said so well. So how do how did the attributes of God help the average Christian brother? Well, I mean, the attributes of God allow us to um, say who God is, right? Uh, uh, the nature of the God that who has made us. Uh, who has created us, right? Our creator. Who is this creator? Well, the attributes of God help us understand who he is. Uh, the attributes of God help us understand as Christians who our redeemer is. Uh, and and then, of course, they're foundational to understanding then the doctrine of the Trinity and so on, in the sense that Father, Son, and Spirit are the one true eternal God. So the attributes describe who the Father is, the Son is, the Spirit is, because they share the same identical divine attributes. So the attributes are a way of knowing the God who has made us, redeemed us, who is our judge, who is our Lord, uh, the greatest one in, in the whole universe, right? The very purpose of our existence is to know God, the God who has made us, the God who has rules over all things. Uh, the sumum bonum, the greatest good of the universe is the knowledge of God and the relationship that we have to God. So the attributes of God tell us who this God is. It distinguishes him from everything else. So it, it we, apart from thinking through the attributes of God carefully, we have a wrong view of God, right? We have to have no God in truth. Well, knowing the attributes of God, know, we then know truly the God of Scripture, not a God of our own imagination, right? So if we have a God who is not all-powerful, then we have an idol, right? If we have a God who is not holy and just and the proper understanding of that— we have constructed some God in our image instead of reflecting on God for who he truly is and who has made himself known to us. So thinking through the attributes of God leads us to know God. It leads us to worship God. It leads us to obey God. It leads us to trust God. It leads us to a proper fear of God. Uh, not in the sense of as Christians that we cower, but a proper fear that you are God and we are not, and and you deserve our praise and worship and obedience, right? And uh, so, apart from thinking about God's attributes, we do not know God. Yeah, that's that's so good, and it and it helps us these attributes. So if we think about how holy and just and merciful and good and 
uh, God is, um, you know, you're going to be able to take yourself in the hand in the face of suffering and trials and, and, you know, anxiety, depression, discouragement, and then you're going to be able to take somebody else by the hand. Um, if you're married, your spouse or, or, or somebody else and help them to, you know, remind themselves or, or maybe even instruct them saying, Hey, this is, these are these truths. And this is how that's going to help you to consider it pure joy, brethren, when you face trials of many kinds that James one, two through three says, I mean, it's, it's just a taking yourself by the hand and, uh, with the Lord's help and with his word and reminding yourself and instructing your heart until you believe it. I mean, that, yeah, that's what and 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 we can also say, I mean, all all of that's crucial with with our knowing God and and trusting Him and and uh, going through difficulties of life, and also knowing Him properly will help us understand uh, other uh, important truths, other doctrinal areas as well, right? So, if we get, I mean, everything goes back to who God is, right, as the Triune God, in all of His glory and all of His perfections and all of His attributes. But if we if we get, say. Uh, divine justice wrong or holiness wrong will then not properly understand him but will also not properly understand then what sin is before god and then will not properly understand well what christ does for us and why it's even necessary uh, so so all of these other areas of the gospel of uh, our need for salvation the kind of salvation that christ brings the kind of judge of the universe that god is uh is bound up with understanding properly his attributes or, or you know think of what we've come through in the last number of years you know since 2020 uh, you know there's a lot of discussion on social justice and this kind of discussion that's out there well unless we first understand what justice is in terms of god and his perfections then we then say well what kind of god is he that's judge of all the earth and he is holy and just and loving and you know, all those kind of things but how we properly understand that will allow us to then say well this is what justice is in terms of his rule and reign over the world and what we then would say justice is. So knowing his attributes is knowing him. It's knowing how he works in the world and how he relates to the world. It's knowing then uh, how we properly understand, you know, the, the message of the gospel or our problem, the solution to the problem, why we need the kind of redeemer and, and uh, moving away from a proper knowledge of God tied to who he is in terms of his attributes will lead to disaster in every area and we'll get everything wrong. That's really well said, brother. How, how does the providence of God help the Christian? Well, I mean, we have to, uh, you know, providence is, is helpful in so many areas, but I mean, first of all, you know, the proper understanding of divine providence properly sets God as God of the universe, right? So we're not, uh, he's not some kind of finite being. He's not some kind of God that's dependent upon us. He's not a God that, uh, you know, is, is, is sort of hoping that he will bring about his, his purposes. No, I mean, a proper understanding of divine providence gives us a God who's Lord, a God who's created all things, who rules over all things, who's Lord of all things. So it gives us a proper sense of this is the God who's there, not some weak, finite uh, being. He's not just some larger form of Zeus or, or some kind of Greek pantheon or so on. This is this is alone the Lord, right? This is the God who is worthy of all of our worship and praise. And then, of course, with providence. Providence gets us into you know, difficult areas, right? Uh, a God who has known all things and planned all things, even involving issues of the sin and evil and the plan of salvation and so on. 
you know, knowing providence allows us to trust God, right? You mentioned the attributes of God in terms of suffering and difficulty, but saying, you know, God knows what he's doing. He is trustworthy that even in his sovereign purposes, even though we are responsible for our sin and our actions, yet they don't catch, catch God by surprise because he has ordained all things before the foundation of the world. Yet, so we, so providence gives us the grand picture of who God is, how we can trust God, and, and a proper view of providence will keep in balance uh, his sovereignty, his rule over the world, and our responsible agency. People that get providence wrong really mess up in some sense god's plan and history the guarantee that he will bring about his purposes uh they make god ultimately dependent upon us or some fatalistic understanding of things right all of a proper view of providence puts everything in place about the sovereign god who's working out his purposes for his people that's really good brother that's really good well where can people go to find out more about you online brother well i mean i, I mean i don't have a whole lot of social media but um, uh, uh, since 20, uh, let's see, was it 2021? No, 2022 or so um, you know, time goes by, right? Uh, a few friends of mine and, and, uh, former students and colleagues and so on. We started a whole website called, uh, Christ overall, Christ overall. So if you put Christ overall is one word.com. That's how you get to it. And I'm, I'm on there quite a bit, uh, either in terms of, uh, podcasts, um, you know, contributing to, uh, on a monthly basis to various themes, not sometimes every month, but usually I'm in podcasts, interviewing authors and that type of thing. So a lot of things there, <clears throat> you can see what I'm doing. Um, and then there's, you know, these issues that, you know, I'm coming to the seminary there. And then in terms of various publications, you can look on Amazon and other places like that. Yeah. Well, uh, brother, just as we uh, wrap up our conversation today, can you give us a few takeaways? takeaways in terms of just exhortation or what are you thinking <laughs> yeah sure sure just just any anything on theological literacy and and yeah well like what I we mean, talked about yeah yeah the, the the major i mean the major emphasis the burden on my heart is right is that uh um you know the we're really facing challenging times um in this nation and um we need we need i mean the i you know every every place is a little different but i i see a nation imploding and i see um, you know, a whole nation in terms of, you know, un, you know, just turning from anything, a semblance of what is right and wrong to, uh, to every, you know, it's almost like judges, right? Uh, there is no king. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes, right? I mean, there's, 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 you know, the worldview that's governing our governments and our people. And that is, is, is causing just havoc, right? So what we need in the midst of that is we need gospel witness, right? We need faithful churches, we need churches that are grounded in the word of God, because um, if there's not a revival, uh, we are going to face challenges and difficulties. So the people of God need to know God, right? They need to be grounded in the scriptures. They need to be those who are willing to and, and gladly proclaim Christ to this generation, not to just sort of see you know, a, a world come better. I mean, that's true, but to see, you know, men and women and boys and girls come to saving faith and, and to do so, they're going to have to know the scriptures. They're going to have to be grounded theologically. They're going to have to be able to know how to talk to their neighbor. They're going to have to know how to stand for truth in, in every certain circumstance 
that they're in without compromise, yet do so, you know, in a way that glorifies God, that is, you know, we all want to be winsome and and loving to our neighbor. And of course, we must do that, but we also must be at the same time, uh, you know, Schaefer used to say, we must display God's holiness and love. We must display both. We must stand for truth. Uh, and we also must love at the same time, but love is not contrary to truth. And and I don't know how to do that apart from sound biblical theological growth, uh, churches that faithfully preach the whole counsel of God, uh, people that gather that want to learn more and study more and read more and put it into practice in their families, their workplaces, um, in terms of their neighborhoods and, uh, and, and so on. So the takeaway I think is, is that we need biblical theological literacy. Uh, we need growth in Christ. We need to not be tossed back and forth by every wind of doctrine. Uh, we need to make sure that we're grounding all of our thought. Think of Colossians 2, uh, 8 through 10, is that we need not be held captive by the thought of this age, uh, the human tradition, elementary spirits, probably even speaking of demonic spirits, but we need to ground all of our thought on Christ. And, uh, and of course, that's found in God's word. So that's what we need today. And the takeaway is we need to be serious about our Christian lives. We need to be serious about Christian growth. And we need churches that faithfully, faithfully expound uh, scripture and do so theologically, right? To put the pieces together, help people think about the Christian uh, worldview and ground everything in the glory of God. Really well said, brother. Well, today we've been talking with my friend and our brother in Christ, Dr. Wellam, about his new book, Systematic Theology from Canon to Concept, Volume 1 from uh, B&H Academic. Here's the book. It really is that big, guys, if you're watching the video. It really is. It's, uh, it's helpful, and uh, I want to encourage you to pick it up as a resource, add it to your library of, uh, of Systematic Theology. You'll be blessed, and thank you, brother, for your time today. Dave, always great to be with you and uh, trust that uh, the conversation will be helpful to many people. Thank you, brother. It definitely will be. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.